This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, State Farm knows you personalize your entire day. And that's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Ooh, we're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the dim. It go down. It go down in the dim. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Due to the graphic nature of this unexplained mystery, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of attempted suicide, child murder, and animal death that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. The old Scottish road wound through the highlands, and the sun shone down on Donna and her border collie, Ben. It was the perfect day for them to get outside and explore the popular hiking trails. As they continued down the road, they could see the majestic stone walls of Overton House rising in the distance. As they approached the manor, they heard the rustling of leaves in the wind and the distant sounds of a waterfall. Ben wagged his tail approvingly. He wandered a few paces ahead, off-leash. When they got closer to Overton House, the path narrowed and the trees rose above them. Around the final bend, the land sloped down into a deep ravine on either side of the road, and they saw the huge mansion straight ahead of them. All that stood between them and their destination was the 80-foot Overton Bridge. It was gothic and intimidating, but the cheerful dog didn't seem to care as he led the way. As they passed the first two sets of parapets, Donna looked over the chest-high stone wall. It was a deceptively long drop to the creek, 50 feet below. She began to get an eerie feeling that something wasn't quite right. She looked up and saw Ben approaching the third set of parapets. His demeanor had changed, his tail no longer wagged, and his hair stood on end. 
Donna called to him, but he didn't respond. She took one step toward him, and he broke into a run, right toward the short stone wall of the bridge. Donna watched in horror as Ben leapt over the side, falling 50 feet to the ground below. Heart racing, she ran to the right side of the bridge and looked over the wall down into the ravine. What she saw crushed her. Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer. Every Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. This is our first episode on Overton Bridge in Scotland, where hundreds of dogs have inexplicably jumped over its granite walls to the valley below. This week, we'll cover the dark history of Overton Bridge, strange stories of canine catastrophe, and a truly shocking incident involving a father and his son. Next week, we'll discuss possible explanations for the jumping dogs. Were they influenced by some sort of supernatural force? Or is there a more logical, natural explanation for everything that has happened at the bridge? When you picture a dog, you likely picture a happy, energetic animal. They're a constant companion, a source of joy, obedient to all commands. We've kept dogs for over 20,000 years, and they rarely let us down. A good, well-trained dog should remain a good, well-trained dog. They aren't going to surprise you by running away or attempting suicide. Except that exact thing has been happening in Scotland. Over the past half century, a single bridge has become a hotbed for dog deaths. Since at least 1950, locals around the town of Dumbarton, Scotland, have reported cases of dogs mysteriously leaping off the nearby Overton Bridge. The New York Times has reported that an estimated 300 dogs have jumped from the bridge and about 50 of them died. The bridge has become locally known as the Dog Suicide Bridge, and even comically referred to as Rover's Leap. But it's especially odd that there aren't equal records of people jumping. Bridges, by nature, pose a danger to those in mental health crises. Even perfectly healthy individuals can feel the pull of so-called high-place phenomenon, or the urge to jump off a bridge, building, or cliff while standing near the edge. While some visitors have reported that phenomenon, 
Anecdotes and evidence overwhelming suggest that Overton Bridge is having a bizarre effect on dogs and dogs alone. Something is clearly wrong with Overton Bridge. In order to fully explore this mystery, we must first take a look at the bridge's origins. In 1859, 47-year-old James White, a retired lawyer and partner in his family's chemical manufacturing company, was looking to build a vacation home in the Scottish Highlands. His family's chemical plant was located in a suburb of Glasgow, and James wanted a quiet place in the Scottish countryside, away from his job, somewhere he could spend quality time with his wife and their seven children. James found the ideal spot about 25 miles northwest of the factory, just outside of Dumbarton. There he purchased several hundred acres of land to build his retreat. The home was to be placed alongside a ravine that was dotted by trees and had a gently flowing stream below. It was designed in the Scottish baronial style by architect James Smith. After Smith's design was approved, construction began on what soon became known as Overton House. With its large vaulted ceilings and Gothic parapets, it looked more like a castle than a Victorian-era home. It was massive, consisting of a three-story main structure attached to a five-story tower. Both overlooked the lush 50-foot ravine to the west. The interior was just as impressive. There were over a dozen different rooms, including a drawing room, library, and dining room that had a 20-foot ceiling. Each was intricately designed to be as ornate as possible. The large sitting room had giant plaster columns, and its walls were inlaid with intricate floral designs. The library was lined with dark oak and had its own custom marble fireplace. The grand staircase had impressive gold latticework on the railings that made it appear as if the flowers were ascending up each stair. Each room was decorated with plush Victorian furniture and large oriental rugs that covered most of the floor. James was fiercely religious, and it was reflected in Overton House. The ceilings were lined with religious frescoes. One showed seven angels descending into the parlor room. He even had biblical inscriptions carved into its exterior stone walls. It made the place feel almost like a cathedral, somewhere holy. In 1863, after three long years of construction, James and his wife moved in. Though the mansion had enough bedrooms for visitors, the house was often empty as all of their children were grown, and its large rooms felt cavernous without anyone to occupy them. Instead of feeling like a cathedral, it felt more like a tomb. And that feeling wouldn't dissipate in the ensuing decades. In 1867, James White's 23-year-old son, John, married a local woman named Grace Eliza McClure, the daughter of a prominent lawyer. Feeling that his son was now ready to join the business as a family man, James made John a partner at the family's chemical factory. Gradually, John took more control of the business, and his father began spending more time at Overton House, alone with his wife. 
1884, James White died in his home at the age of 72. He was praised by local government officials for being a generous pillar of the community. After James passed, his son John was in complete control of the chemical factory. However, he didn't garner the same sterling reputation as his father. The company had over 500 employees and was one of the largest producers of chrome in the United Kingdom. But the working conditions at the factory were obscene. They worked 12 hours a day for seven days a week and weren't given any meal breaks. Workers had to eat while handling harsh chemicals, which meant that they were contaminating their food. Some complained of stomach pain. Many were often sick but couldn't take time off to recover. Countless factory workers reported that their nasal septum eroded from the chemicals they were handling. And while John was religious, he didn't extend any grace to workers who wanted to worship on Sundays. If they left work, their pay was docked the following Monday. Employees viewed John as ruthless, but John didn't care. He had bigger plans than the factory. He yearned for political power. And when his mother died in 1891, leaving him Overton House, John was determined to use Overton's granite walls to get it. John and his wife Grace made Overton their full-time home, ignoring the fact that the immense stone mansion was much too large for a childless couple. John had plans to fill the empty halls with people. Once they were settled, John began hosting massive parties at the mansion, sometimes inviting over 700 guests. His wife, Grace, was always by his side, acting as his rock. She knew each guest by name and helped John to orchestrate his influence. However, it was often difficult for his guests to travel to Overton House. Carriage access was obtainable, but difficult. Guests would have to travel miles out of town over a rough road to get to the mansion. So in 1892, when John bought additional land west of the mansion, he came up with a brilliant idea. He was going to build a bridge over the valley the house overlooked and make it easier for guests to visit. He contracted Henry Ernest Milner, a civil engineer, to draw up plans for the bridge. Geographically, the 80 feet of the Overton Bridge would connect the two sides of a deep gorge. Symbolically, it would connect John White to power. And the investment paid off before the construction was done. In 1893, Queen Victoria awarded John the title Baron of Overton. It was a symbolic title, meaning John was viewed favorably by the government and considered an asset to the country. He was the first Baron of Overton and wore the title with pride. His wife Grace was known as Lady Overton. The Baron and Lady celebrated and expanded their influence through philanthropy. The couple was still childless themselves, but they supported organizations that helped orphans. In 1895, Lady Overton laid the ceremonial last stone in place on the Overton Bridge. It was a stunning entrance to Overton House. John used this new bridge to further increase his political clout and ushered in even more guests as the first Baron of Overton. 
The bridge was built to match the Gothic architecture of the mansion and required three arches to make it across the valley. There was one large arch in the middle of the bridge for the river to flow through and two smaller ones for walking paths on either side of the gorge. While his bridge was undoubtedly helping him bring in more people to entertain, it didn't keep the new baron's reputation from taking a hit. In 1899, the founder of the Labour Party, Keir Hardy, published pamphlets that criticized John. His good works were called into question in the face of his factory's working conditions, and he was labeled a hypocrite. Worse, his workers were so fed up with the conditions at the factory that they organized against him. Throughout Scotland, the story was making headlines. John was furious, but he understood the implications of their unionizing campaign. It would have reflected incredibly badly on him if he pushed back too hard, and he could have lost favor with some of his political connections. He relented and granted his workers better conditions at the factory. They were given time off for church and lunch breaks. He also built a bathhouse, a reading room, and several amenities in a nearby community populated by his workers. While his employees fought for basic working rights, John and his wife lived in opulence. They attended extravagant parties and went on trips that took them all the way to Turkey. Despite this, though, Lady Overton felt an emptiness. John spent much of his time at the factory. When there wasn't a party, she was alone with her thoughts in a mansion made for company. The couple never had any children, which added to Lady Overton's loneliness. She wandered the uninhabited halls, trying to occupy her time. She only grew more depressed when John came down with a mysterious illness in 1908. Within a few short weeks, her 65-year-old husband died beside her in Overton House. Lady Overton was distraught after the passing of her husband, with no outlet for her grief. She stayed in the lonely Overton house, and Overton Bridge became her main connection to the outside world. According to rumors, Lady Overton paced Overton Bridge every day after her husband died. Many felt she was even more lost and alone without John by her side. She remained in Overton House for over 20 years until her death in 1931. In 1938, the estate was given over to the local government. During World War II, it was used as a convalescent home for soldiers and locals recovering from injuries. In 1947, after the war was over, Overton House was converted into a maternity hospital where many of the locals of Dumbarton were born. However, in the 1950s, things took a turn toward the surreal when locals started to feel an eerie presence and saw that Overton Bridge was having a strange effect on their dogs. Up next, we'll hear about some of the strange and deadly occurrences on the bridge. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, 
turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. Give the active people in your life something they'll truly appreciate. Performance apparel from Viore. Whether they're into running, surfing, hiking, or even just casual walks around the block, there's something for everyone. And if you're not sure what to gift them, you can't go wrong with something from Viore's Dream Knit Collection. It's the perfect gift and so comfortable. Get 20% off your first purchase today at Viore. V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Spotify. Now back to the story. Overton Bridge was built in 1895 to accommodate carriages driving to the estate of ruthless industrialist John White, dubbed the Baron of Overton. It sits roughly 50 feet high and spans 80 feet across the Overton Burn, a steep tree-lined ravine with a stream running through it. In 1938, the estate was given over to the government. It eventually became part of a protected region known as Lang Craigs. It's essentially a national park, home to a number of hiking trails that lead out from Overton House and up into the Kilpatrick Hills. Lang Craigs featured ancient forests, rolling hills, and rocky cliffs. Because most of the landscape is wide open and far away from any busy roads, it became a popular place for people to walk their dogs. In fact, the conservation group that oversees the area has advertised it as a great place for dog walking. The brook that flows underneath the bridge is spectacular and serene. It's also home to a large variety of wildlife, including voles, foxes, toads, mink, and at least half a dozen species of birds. However, this sense of serene calm was forever changed in the 1950s, when some peculiar things started to happen. Wild tales of dogs jumping from the bridge emerged to the bewilderment of townsfolk. We don't have a precise record of the first dog's jump or exact timing, but in the 1950s, all the rumors followed the same general pattern. The dog seemed fine before approaching the bridge. However, their attitudes abruptly changed once they stepped foot on the stone walkway that spanned the valley. As the dogs continued across the bridge and approached Overton House, they would continue to act even stranger. It was said that they seemed to be possessed by some unknown force propelling them forward. Moments after reaching the halfway point of the bridge, the dogs would take off in a sprint. But instead of continuing over the bridge, they jumped over the right-hand wall, always by the third set of parapets. Some tales even claimed that the dog's owner felt a sinister presence while they crossed the bridge. Rumors swirled, but many of these stories couldn't be confirmed. If these accidents really did happen, many of the people who took their dogs walking on the trail were tourists looking to go out on a hike, and most likely believed what had happened to them was a freak accident. They were hikers who were fit enough to quickly rescue their dog from the bottom of the ravine. They were in such a hurry to get their dog's help that they drove out of town to the nearest animal hospital before the incident was documented. 
Because of the lack of documentation, most of the stories from the 1950s were brushed aside as superstition. Then, an incident in 1994 made national headlines. On a cool, crisp October day, a 32-year-old local man named Kevin Moy went on a walk with his wife, Eileen, and newborn son, Owen, towards Overton House. Kevin suffered from myalgic encephalitis, otherwise known as chronic fatigue syndrome, and had rarely been able to get out since his diagnosis several years prior. This was exacerbated by his clinical depression. But lately, his wife encouraged him to be active. He'd found new inspiration when his son was born a few weeks before. Kevin and Eileen were finally starting a family together. That day was sunny, a rare sight in Scotland in October, and Eileen enjoyed the sunlight that washed over her young family. Kevin was holding their baby. The forests all around them teemed with the sounds of life, and they heard the calming babble coming from the waterfall in the ravine up ahead. The family slowly rounded the corner and saw the oppressive structure of Overton House. As they stepped foot on the Overton Bridge, everything seemed normal until they reached the midpoint. Their pace had slowed, and Eileen admired the beauty of the world around her. She walked to the edge, and from there she saw the valley stretching out into the distance. She took a deep breath and sighed. Beautiful. All was as it always should have been before Kevin's illness had left him a changed man. Kevin slowly came up beside her, still carrying their son. He was so little, yet so full of life and wonder. These were the moments that she would always remember. She was still focused on looking out over the valley when Kevin slowly started to extend his arms, holding Owen over the right side of the bridge. Her husband was dangling their newborn out over the side of the bridge, over the 50-foot drop to the earth below. As she realized what was happening, each moment took an eternity. She saw her baby boy out over the side and reached for him, but she was too late. Eileen screamed. Kevin let go of their son. Owen fell out of sight and into the ravine below. Then Kevin began to climb over the edge himself. He had one leg over the wall when Eileen grabbed him and yanked him back. He fell backward onto the bridge and she struggled to keep him down. Bystanders who had seen the whole terrible thing immediately ran to Eileen. They helped secure Kevin, who was still trying to fight to get back on his feet. Others ran down the trail to look for little Owen at the bottom of the bridge. Those on the bridge took Kevin to the only place they felt he could be secure, Overton House. Eileen screamed and cried. Kevin fought them the whole way. Finally, they had him held down inside the house, but inside, he wouldn't stop babbling. In between incoherent noises, Kevin explained why he had dropped his son over the side. Kevin said he was the Antichrist and his son was Satan. He said he dropped Owen over the side of the bridge to save the world. He said the two of them were the ones responsible for the Gulf War. He began thrashing as he told them, 
that if they both didn't die, bad things would happen all over the world. Someone called the authorities. In the meantime, the hikers were hoping to keep Kevin with them until help arrived. However, his movements were so erratic that he was able to break free from his captors inside Overton House. He ran down the long corridors looking for any way to escape. He needed to complete his mission to save the world. He ran into the kitchen. The authorities were only a minute away, and Kevin was trapped. He scanned the room, then grabbed a knife. Perhaps he was still committed to his mission, or perhaps the gravity of what he'd done to his son had hit him. With the kitchen knife, Kevin attempted to slit his wrists. Just then, authorities ran into Overton House and saved Kevin's life. They then loaded him into the back of one of their cars and took him into custody. While Kevin was being taken away, bystanders continued their search for baby Owen. When they finally found him, he had suffered massive trauma but was clinging on to life. He was rushed to a local hospital for emergency surgery, but succumbed to his injuries and died a few days later. Kevin was eventually prosecuted for his son's death. However, in court, Kevin Moy was deemed temporarily insane and therefore not guilty of his son's death. He was committed to a state mental hospital to be treated. From afar, it appears Kevin was suffering from severe mental illness, and this tragedy could have happened at any bridge. But the fact that it happened at Overton amplified the existing local legends and the Scottish wariness of the area. Some even began calling it the Bridge of Death. They knew the bridge was connected to something horrifying, perhaps something supernatural. Up next, reports of a ghost on Overton Bridge. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save 40% site-wide. 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Now, back to the story. Following the tragic death of Owen Moy in 1994, Overton Bridge and the surrounding Scottish trails remained open to the public. Despite the fact that around 300 dogs have reportedly jumped from the top of Overton Bridge since the 1950s, and at least 50 dogs have died from the jump, people continue to walk their dogs in the area and over the bridge. One such dog walker was Kenneth Meikle. In 2002, Kenneth was on a walk with his partner and daughter near Overton House. They'd brought along their trusty 15-year-old golden retriever, Hendrix. 
It was another bright and sunny day, an unusual treat in Scotland. Hendrix was rarely ever on a leash, and today was no exception. She was well-behaved, loyal, and getting on in years, not the sort of excitable pup to run off on her own. She trotted alongside her masters, loyal as ever. Kenneth had heard the rumors about dogs jumping off Overton Bridge, but considered them mere superstition. He'd never seen anything strange, though sometimes he did get an eerie feeling near the bridge. That day, he paused as he stepped onto the bridge and reminded himself they were just stories. Everything was perfectly normal until, mere seconds later, Hendrix leapt over the granite wall and plummeted to the ground below. Kenneth's daughter screamed. Kenneth stood for a moment in disbelief. He ran to the stone wall and looked down into the ravine. Hendrix was lying motionless, 50 feet below. Kenneth hurried down the path to the bottom of the gorge and the edge of the stream. To his surprise and relief, Hendrix was still alive. She'd landed on a patch of soft, mossy ground that had broken her fall. She couldn't stand, but Kenneth didn't want or need her to. He was just thankful she survived. Kenneth picked her up and started back up the trail for help. On the way, Hendrix shed large clumps of fur. Kenneth thought that she was in shock and hurried back up the hill with his dog in his arms. He took Hendrix home and tended to her all night as she shook. By the next day, she seemed fine. She was bruised and sore, but she was going to live. But the incident left Kenneth shaken. Maybe there was truth to the rumors. Maybe his dog had seen something supernatural. He'd think twice about taking Hendrix anywhere near the bridge again. Not every dog that's crossed Overton Bridge has been as lucky as Hendrix. In 2005, Donna Cooper and her family were on a nice morning walk with their border collie, Ben. When they got to the bridge, everything changed. Their normally happy dog instantly transformed, upset without reason. Then, Ben ran ahead and bounded over the bridge's low stone wall. The family ran down the path to the bottom of the ravine to where Ben lay. Unfortunately, he'd landed on a rocky outcropping. The dog whimpered, weak. The family rushed him to the nearest vet, but the damage was extensive. He'd broken his jaw and his leg. However, the most serious injury he sustained was to his back, which had been broken in the fall. The vet would have needed to perform several painful surgeries to give Ben any chance of survival. It was decided that it wouldn't be fair to make him go through all of that suffering. Ben was put to sleep. He became the first ever fully documented canine death at Overton Bridge. Despite 50 years of rumor, this was the first proof of Overton Bridge's bizarre and tragic effect on dogs. The Cooper family was left heartbroken and confused. What could have made their sweet dog do something so reckless? Had he seen or heard something that had compelled him to jump? How could this have been prevented? How could they make sure it didn't happen again? In 2005, 
the Coopers came forward to the media, the national news outlets in the United Kingdom leapt at the opportunity to cover the story, digging for past reports of jumping dogs. Kenneth Meekle came forward, along with others. Within a six-month span, it was reported that six different dogs, including Ben, had jumped off Overton Bridge. Everyone wanted to know what was happening to these dogs. In 2014, Alice Trevorrow and her son Thomas arrived at Overton House to go on a walk with their Springer Spaniel, Cassie. They later recounted their experience to the Daily Mail. It was bright, sunny, and looked to be yet another beautiful day. Nothing seemed wrong. But the moment after Alice and Thomas got out of the car, Cassie jumped out from behind them, her eyes transfixed on the sky. She rushed to the bridge and stopped for a moment, mesmerized by something that only she could see. In an instant, she bounded forward and catapulted herself over the side of the bridge. Alice heard the terrifying sound of distressed yelping as Cassie fell. She and Thomas were horrified. They peered over the bridge and saw Cassie lying on the ground. Miraculously, Cassie slowly walked back up the path and collapsed at Thomas's feet. Cassie was rushed to the closest animal hospital. Luckily, the spaniel had only strained a back leg muscle. Despite the good news, there was a nagging question that wouldn't leave Thomas. Why had Cassie jumped? They were locals and had, of course, heard the stories, but they'd never believed it would happen to their dog. Thomas wanted answers. The next day, he headed back to the bridge to see if he could find anything unusual. He brought a friend and they arrived late in the afternoon. The pair parked their car and walked over to the bridge. As they walked across, they noticed that the ground off to the sides gradually sloped away from them. The treetops slightly brushed up against the bridge and gave the illusion that they weren't actually that far off the ground. From a low angle, with the stone wall obscuring part of the view, it was difficult to tell they were off the ground at all. They made it halfway across the bridge to the point where Cassie had jumped. The sun was setting, and they saw that the openings of the parapets were just low enough to make it easy for a dog to jump. They could hear the sounds of the creek below and the birds as they flew to roost. They then heard another noise, this one strange, off in the distance. They both looked in the direction it came from, Overton House. What they saw stopped them in their tracks and chilled them to the bone. The ghost of Lady Overton was standing in a window, looking down at them. They didn't stick around to investigate further. Thomas sped home and told the story to his mother, who then related to the Daily Mail. She wanted to warn other dog owners about the dangers of Overton Bridge. Many who read the accounts in the paper believed what Thomas and his friend had seen that day. They think the ghost of Lady Overton still haunts the grounds, walking across the bridge that her husband took so much pride in. The dogs can see her specter, which floats right above the third set of parapets. When they leap at her, 
they don't realize they are inadvertently jumping to their deaths. The haunted bridge theory is the most prominent explanation, and one we'll explore further next week. Another theory is that the dogs jumped as an act of suicide. Some people think that these dogs are depressed. In the same way that people are drawn to jump off of high places, they believe the dogs are drawn to jump off Overton Bridge when they get close to it. And the third major theory is that the dogs are leaping due to natural triggers. A combination of weather, wildlife, and type of dog could have led to mass confusion about the danger inherent in the Overton Bridge. In the midst of all these theories and speculation, more dogs continue to jump. Every time a dog bounds off of the bridge, the cries increase for local authorities to do something. Some want to install a sign warning dog owners. Others have campaigned to have a fence installed along the sides of the bridge to catch the dogs. Yet nothing has been done. Inevitably, each year a new story is added to the long, tragic history of Overton Bridge. Scotland is still wondering, is there any way to save these dogs? Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We'll be back Thursday with part two of Overton Bridge, where we'll take a deep dive into all of the possible reasons for what causes these dogs to leap into the unknown. Is it truly a supernatural presence that causes such heartache? Or is something far more natural in play? You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast Originals like Unexplained Mysteries for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time. See you next Thursday. And remember, never take we don't know for an answer. Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, Isabella Way, and Joel Stein. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Robert Tyler Walker, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rosner. Thank you.